Hey, I want you to turn in your Bibles with me today to Acts chapter 16. We're going to be in this passage in just a moment. We're continuing our sermon series that we are walking through the book of Acts. And as you know, we've been talking about the Acts of the Apostles, which is what you will see in your Bible is what it's called. We have kind of changed the phraseology there to call it the actions of the people. Because what this really is, it's a picture of how Jesus built his church. He promised to do that. If you go back into the Gospels, he said, I will build my church. Remember, he said that. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He spoke those words to the Apostle Peter. And here we are in the book of Acts, and we're watching Jesus fulfill exactly what he promised that he would do, that he is building his church. And here's how he's doing it. He's doing it through the people who simply said, here I am, use me. And what a great picture we have. What great examples we find throughout the book of Acts of people who are just willing to to stand up and just say, listen, I'm here. I'll do whatever it is, God, that you've called me to do. And that is what we're talking about, what we're learning from. Now, obviously, in the book of Acts, we've got some, some key players, right? You've got the Apostle Paul. You've got the Apostle Peter, and you've got others that are key players within the context of the book of Acts. But we've spent some time to, uh, over the last couple of weeks and over the next couple of weeks talking about some players that maybe, I mean, we know their names, but they're not really like the, the big names. They're not the ones that are obvious, right? We're spending some time talking about those people like you and me who are just regular people that God raised up to do extraordinary things. And the reason we're doing that is because every one of us in this room has the opportunity of doing extraordinary things for God if we will simply say, God, here we are, use us. And so today we're going to be talking about a guy by the name of Timothy. Now, we studied last week, we were, you know, back in the, in the eighth chapter of the book of Acts, and you remember last week I talked about the first part of Acts chapter 8 and the first verse, and then again in the first verse of Acts chapter 9, you'll see that, that Paul was called somebody who was a pretty bad guy, right? I mean, it says that he was wreaking havoc on the church in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 9, it says that he was still bringing murder to the people of the church, the people of the way that is referenced there in the book of Acts. If you go back to Acts chapter 6 and chapter 7, you see that in the, uh, the, the, martyr of, the martyrdom of Stephen, that, that Paul was a part of that process. Of course, he's called Saul during that, that season. And then we read on to the book of uh, Acts chapter 9, and we find in chapter 9 the conversion of Saul. As he was traveling on that road to Macedonia and, and what happened there, that Damascus road, that, that, that God spoke to him and, and a powerful moment, a, a powerful revelation of, of the presence of God, and his life was changed forever, as was the lives of many others that he would minister to in the days to come. We go into Acts chapter 10, and we see there the conversion of Cornelius, the, 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 the gospel continued to spread out. Uh, through the Apostle Peter. And then you move into Acts chapter 11, and we see stories of Barnabas and, and of Saul and of Peter continuing to preach and to minister. You keep moving forward into Acts chapter 12 and Acts chapter 13, and we find the, the first missionary journey. You move into Acts chapter 14 and 15. You move into the, the second missionary journey of Paul. And that's what brings us to what we're going to talk about today. Because during that, that journey, on the first missionary journey, Paul found himself in a place called Lystra. And it was there that he preached the gospel as he did every place that he went. And, and there was impact there. The church grew there. Lives were changed 
there. And as a result of that, then we find ourselves now in Acts chapter 16, where this, this person gets brought into the story of how God can use even the young to change the world. And so before we start talking about Timothy today, let's just pray that God blesses the reading of his word. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for the opportunity that we have to gather together in worship today, to gather together in studying your word today, to grow in our faith, to, to stand firm and, and to stand strong in, in who you are, knowing that, God, because of who you are and what you've done, because of the gift of your son, Jesus, because he died and because he rose again, that we have life in his name. And so, Father, today I pray that as we, uh, Lord, walk through this passage, Lord, speak to us. And if there's someone here, someone listening, someone watching on television today, wherever they might be around the world, God, I pray that you would speak truth to them and let them see that God loves them, that Christ died for them, that he rose again for them, and by believing in him, that they will find salvation. And so, God, we do pray that this would be the hour of salvation for many. And for that, Father, we give you the praise. And God, for all of us, we pray that this would be a call to action that it would be a time that we recognize our responsibility, our, our opportunity that we have to serve you, to grow the church, to minister to the lost, to change the world. God, we pray that we would rise to that occasion. And Lord, for that too, we give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, in your books, if you turn there to our sermon for today, we're we'll being in Acts chapter 16, talking about Timothy. That even the young can change the world, that no matter who you are, no matter how, uh, what situation you're in in life, whether you're a student or whether you are not a student, maybe you're the old person, maybe you've been around for quite a while. I'm 54. I used to think of myself as a young kid. Not so much anymore. Regardless of what your age is, regardless of who you are, regardless of what you're going through, what I do know is this, God can use you right where you are. That God can use you in your situation and in your circumstance, and through you, He can change the world. And so I just want to go into this passage, talking about how Timothy gets introduced to us. Now, I've already shared with you that Paul was out on his missionary journeys, and and his first missionary journey, and then into his second missionary journey. And, And you'll see in Acts chapter 16, in the first verse there, it says, Now that Paul, he went up to Derbe and Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy. And here's the introduction of this guy named Timothy that will play a big part in Paul's ministry for the rest of the Scriptures. It says that he was the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was a Greek. That's an important distinction. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. And it says that the brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him. Again, a very important statement. They spoke highly of Timothy. And so we see here that As Timothy gets introduced into the journey, into Paul's ministry, we see right up front that Timothy was known to be a disciple. He was someone who was following Christ. He was someone who truly believed what it meant to to grab a hold of this truth that Jesus died and and that he rose again. We see the picture that is is given to us in this passage that we just read in the second part of verse 1, where it says that there was a disciple. Now, we've talked about that word disciple a lot. It actually gives the idea of someone who is a follower, someone who adheres to the ways of another. So it's not just simply a, a title that's thrown on a door. It's not just simply something that one calls themselves. It literally is a description of their actions. And that's an important statement. 
that it's not just something that you apply to yourself because you're a follower of Christ. In this room, there are lots of people who have come to a moment in your life where you believed that Jesus died on the cross for you, he was buried, and that he rose again for you. I remember I trusted in that message, I believed that message when I was six years old at the old Thomas Road Baptist Church. I remember I was sitting over on the, the right-hand side of that sanctuary, and, uh, that was where my, my mom was always on that side over there because she played the piano for the choir, and then she would come down and, and she would sit with me, and it was awesome, awesome, because during the worship time, while she was up there playing the piano, that means that I kind of sat down here by myself, you know, sometimes, and I, I didn't have anyone to watch her. I could do whatever I wanted to do. And I remember that in that service, there was a guy named Freddie Gage preaching. He was an evangelist from, uh, from Dallas, uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And, and he was preaching uh, during that service. And I remember the sermon of, that he gave that day was, All My Friends Are Dead. And I remember when he introduced his sermon that day, and he said, Today I want to talk to you about how all of my friends are dead. I paid attention. I paid attention because the first thing that came to mind is, I don't want to be this man's friend. I did not want to hang out with this guy, and I was a little bit worried because I knew that it was kind of a custom back in those days is when, when we had a guest speaker at the church, that usually after church, my mom and my dad and the kids would kind of go along with them, that they would take that guest speaker out to dinner. And we would always go to the Howard Johnson's over on Wards Road. How many of you remember the Howard Johnson's on Wards Road? Remember the little fish pond right there in the front? Yeah, I always threw rocks in that fish pond. I was aiming for the fish. I was a bad kid. I was really trouble. But anyway, and we would always go out after the services and we'd go to Howard Johnson's and I would get one of those incredible hot dogs that Howard Johnson's had because they had the buns that were special. It was like bread that they glued together. Remember, do you remember the bread, the, the, the hot dog rolls? How many of you remember the hot dog rolls at Howard Johnson's? They were awesome. There's one Howard Johnson's left in America today. It's in Glens Falls, New York, Lake George, or Lake George, New York. And I actually went to it two years ago. It's the last Howard Johnson's. And you know what I ordered? I ordered three hot dogs just like it, and they had the same buns. I think the buns were made back in the 1970s because they were not that fresh. But regardless, I remembered it. So I was worried during that sermon that night that as we were sitting there listening to this guy preach that I just met, that we were going to go out to dinner with him that night, and I might have to become his friend. And I bring to note one more time the sermon title, All My Friends Are Dead. So I paid attention. I didn't always pay attention, you know, in that age when people were up speaking in a church service, but I did. And I listened. And as I listened to that message that night, I, I, I began to shift away from the idea, like, I don't want to like this guy, to the message that he was giving, because what he was talking about is the gospel. And I remember as a six-year-old kid, man, it just something hit me, like a, a gut punch that hit me in that service that night. And I, I heard what he had to say, and I believed it, and I got up at the invitation that night, and I came right down front, walked over to where about this spot in the old Thomas Road Baptist Church. My dad was standing up on the stage, and, and he walked over and walked down the steps and came down, and dad led me to the Lord right there. It was really cool. I remember that. Like there's lots of moments that you remember in those kinds of, in your journey and your, in your life where you came to that moment where you trusted as Christ as your Lord and Savior. And maybe as a result of that, you call yourself a disciple, a follower of Christ. And that, that is true, but the word disciple actually takes it to kind of a different level. 
It kind of moves it beyond just simply saying, I believe. And now it, it actually kind of brings us into the idea and the definition of the word disciples, like someone who is adhering to the way, like grabbing a hold of that message, grabbing a hold of what it is that, that you've heard and what you have believed about someone else. And so the idea of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is that you have heard what he had to say, you have believed what he had to say, and man, you are grabbing a hold of it and you are following it with all your heart. That's what Timothy was doing. That's how Timothy lived his life. And so while it is that it says that there was a disciple there named Tim Timothy uh, in that, that city, he was someone who truly had become a leader within that church, even at a young age. Someone who really was trying to make a difference. And to be known as a disciple requires something important. And in your notes, this is an important statement. To be a disciple, to be known as a disciple requires discipline. It requires discipline. You actually have to lean into it. It doesn't happen by accident. And the way we do that is by incorporating spiritual disciplines into our journey. Like things that are important of how we live and how we walk and, and how we, you know, kind of bring that message of the gospel and bring the faith into our daily actions, our daily journey, into our conversations. And there are just some, a, a few ways here that I just want to kind of point out of spiritual disciplines that we need to have in our own journeys, that we need to have in our own lives. And the first one that I want to bring up to you is this. The first spiritual discipline is the Word of believing God's Word. This book that I have in front of me, I believe it's in the inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God. I believe that God breathed out the words within that book, that He spoke those words into a, a lot of different writers, and over that 1,500 years or so that that, that, that book was, was put together, that every single word that is found within the Word of God was breathed out by God from His heart to ours. And it's how we live, and it's how we know, and how we learn, and how we grow in our faith. I believe what it says in Psalm 119, verse 11, that we must hide God's Word away in our hearts so that we might not sin against Him. And so as a spiritual discipline, if we're going to grow in our faith, if we're going to become a disciple, if we're going to be known to be a disciple like Timothy was, man, we've got to be digging into God's Word. That's why we're challenging you so often to read God's Word. That's why we incorporated that reading plan going all the way back to January and went from January all the way up to July the 2nd of reading through all of Scripture in six months because we want you to get a habit of incorporating that spiritual discipline into your journey. And do you know that we had over 5,000 people that completed the reading plan from January 1 to July the 2nd who read through the entirety of God's Word in six months? Over 5,000 people did that. How cool is that? Of understanding what God's Word is all about. Then we moved in July the 3rd, started a new reading plan that I hope you're in. And that is a six months we're reading through the New Testament, the Psalms and the Proverbs. And if, if you're not already in that plan, then I encourage you to jump into it today. And you're only, you know, you're, I know you're a few weeks behind, but you can easily get caught up. It's not a big deal. And so I would encourage you, you know, you can go to our website, you can go to our app, the MyTRBC app, you can go to the version, the Bible app that is used by, you know, hundreds of millions of people around the world. And you can go and just search Thomas Road Baptist Church and you'll find right there. 
Now, that reading plan of reading through the New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs in six months, and as we incorporate it in that, you can also have my dad read it to you, uh, the Psalms and Proverbs, the New Testament, which is kind of cool as well. I encourage you, start that process. Because when you incorporate that spiritual discipline into your journey, it will change you and transform you. But not only the spiritual discipline of the Word, of getting into God's Word, but also the spiritual discipline of prayer, of understanding why it's so important that we spend time in prayer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 talks about the idea that we must pray without ceasing, a constant attitude of prayer. Now, that does not mean that you have to go find some mountaintop monastery somewhere out in the Himalayas and climb up to the mountain and, you know, leave your cell phone down at the bottom and go up there and, you know, put on a brown robe and and chant all day long. That's not what it's talking about. What it means is, is that you just kind of this attitude, this constant conversation. Like, so my wife and I, we've been married for 28 years. Uh, man, we've had a great, great time, great marriage, great re- relationship that we've had. Now, here's one thing I know about my wife and me is that Sherry and I, we don't spend every moment of every day talking. We don't. It's not like a 24-hour-a-day conversation for the last 28 years. If it were, uh, it, <laughs> I'm not sure how happy we would be. I, I mean, it's not like this, con- like we're constantly word after word after word for 20, it's not that. But here's what it is. It is a conversation that has continued for 28 years. It's a constant communication relationship that is there. That's the same idea that we need to have with God, that we have this constant connection to. And so, you know, there are times you drive down the road and man, you just, something comes to mind and you, you, you're praying as you're driving with your eyes open, please. You know, times when you, you know, maybe sitting in a a situation during the day where things are kind of tough, and man, you just, you know, you just go into a time where you're just saying, God, I need your help in this situation. God, I need your help on this test that I'm about to take. How many have prayed that prayer before? I've prayed that prayer a million times. You know, God, help me in this, in this challenge, this, this, this thing at work that I'm about to, to deal with. You know, God, thank you for the blessing of my family. I've prayed that one a lot. God, thank you for my kids. Yesterday, I was hanging out with my, my granddaughter like a lot during the day, and I was holding her and playing with her and talking with her, and she was at our house, and she took a nap, and I got to go wait, you know, get her up out of her nap, and man, that big smile on her face when I walked in. Man, it was just so cool. And for me, yesterday, there were times, God, thank you for Olivia. Thank you for my granddaughter. You see, those kinds of opportunities of having that constant communication, that, that praying without ceasing, that's a spiritual discipline that changes things. And prayer is not just simply, God, I need you to do this. It's God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you for a hill called Mount Calvary. God, thank you for loving me. God, thank you. God, I praise you for who you are and what you've done. There's an attitude of praise, an attitude of thankfulness, an attitude of, of, of coming to him with our, our petitions, our situations, our, our needs. He wants to hear those kinds of things. It's a constant attitude of prayer. The next discipline that we must incorporate into our journey is obedience. It's obedience. That's why it says in James chapter 1, not just be hearers of the Word, but be doers of the Word, of actually recognizing that when we spend time reading God's Word, we spend time talking with God, that we learn from God, that we learn truths from God's Word, that we understand what it is that God is saying to us, and then we must actually do something with it. When God's Word says, don't do this, you better not do it. 
But when God's word says, do this, then you pretty much ought to do it. You see, it's obedience. It's kind of like understanding what it is that God's trying to say to you and make it part of your journey. Make it part of your day. And so you've got God's word. You've got the time of prayer. You've got obedience. And then another spiritual discipline that's important is the spiritual discipline of service. Like of actually serving him. It goes back to that James 1 passage again, to not just be hearers of the word, but be doers, like do something with it. Man, and we talk about that a lot around here. I know sometimes it's like, man, all they're doing is asking for people to serve. Yep, because God's word tells us to serve. And you serve in so many different ways. You serve in lots of different opportunities. Every one of you has a, a gift that God has given to you, a unique gift that God has given to you. There is no one that's hearing my voice right now that is not uniquely gifted by God to serve Him. You say, wait a minute, man, I'm old and, and I can't get around like I once did. And maybe I'm in a wheelchair. Maybe I, you know, I can't travel. I can't, you know, go and I can't go work in the nursery because of this situation or that situation. Hey, every one of you can serve. We can serve by praying. We can serve by encouraging. Man, some of the greatest service that, that people do in, in the body of Christ is when you simply like pick up the phone and you call someone and say, listen, I'm praying for you. Because of that encouragement that comes from a random conversation. This morning, about 6.30 this morning, I was in my office and I was, you know, working on some things and, and walking through the, the sermon for today and I got a text from Matt Wilkins. Matt's a part of our church. Man, Matt's a great guy and, and not only is he a part of our church, but he also, he travels around, he's an evangelist, he travels around and speaks in other churches and he was, he was driving up towards Christiansburg. I need to change that. So he texted me, he was probably stopped like getting gas, okay, I want to make sure... He probably was not driving because I'm sure he wouldn't do that. But I got a text from him this morning, you know, as he's heading up to Christiansburg and he said, man, hey, I'm praying for you as you preach God's word today. That's serving God. We need to incorporate service into our opportunities in spiritual growth. And that's what Timothy was doing. That's how Timothy was living his life. And it's why he was known as a disciple. It's why it says in verse 2 that the people there, they spoke highly of him because he was following God, following Christ, living for him, being an example, incorporating the spiritual disciplines into his journey. And as a result, Paul wanted him to serve with him. So he was a disciple that was making a difference. Now listen, and that's an important thing to recognize here is that when he was a disciple who was following Christ and, and he was being spoken highly of, that was a very kind of a rare situation during that time. And point number two here is why, is because he came from an unlikely heritage. He came from a, a difficult background. Acts chapter 16, verse 1 says that he was the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was a Greek. That word but there is an important statement because, you know, his mother uh, was Eunice and her grandmother was Lois. And we know Paul talks about them. They were following Christ. They were someone, they were, they were two people who truly were like really leaning into their faith. But it indicates here that his father was someone who was not. And back in those days, you know, when you were, you know, when the marriages were mixed, when there were different, you know, races and different, uh, you know, backgrounds, different ethnicities that came together, I mean, that was something that was looked down upon. That was something that, that, that people, you know, criticized and they, they shunned them, they pushed them to the corner. Timothy was a result of that kind of a relationship. And so this is kind of the, one of the first pictures of like bringing diversity to the scriptures. 
of bringing diversity to leadership within the church. He came from an unlikely heritage. Now the world and the church were not the most accepting and the most affirming at that time. And let's be honest, sometimes not even at this time. But man, what a great lesson we can learn right up front is that we have to get past that stuff. We can't allow that to be part of the journey of the body of Christ. And so we know and understand that as Timothy was, was someone who was following Christ and, and was celebrated because of what he was doing, regardless of what his background looked like, we understand and we see that Timothy was willing to do what was necessary to serve Christ. To do what was necessary. He didn't let baggage slow him down. He didn't let people's criticism stop him. He didn't let the, the challenges that he faced in a culture that was sometimes difficult, he didn't let that keep him from accomplishing what it was that God had called him to accomplish. He was willing to do whatever was necessary. Verse 3 says that Paul wanted Timothy to go with him, so he took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places since they all knew that his father was a Greek. In other words, Timothy was willing to do whatever was necessary to serve Christ. Are we like, let's be honest, like in our journeys, like, are we willing to do whatever it takes? Now, I know the answer that we would give, like the, the quick answer, like, absolutely, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Really? Because probably this week, there's been someone that God has put into your path that doesn't know Christ. And here's the question, did you talk to him about it? Did you take advantage of that opportunity to introduce them to the Christ that saved you, that changed you, that transformed you? Man, that's an important question we've always got to be asking ourselves. Are we willing to do whatever is necessary? Now, Timothy was someone who, who was always willing to do whatever was necessary. He was always willing to do whatever it took. But because he was someone who understood what it meant to follow Christ, he was also not looking for the spotlight. You see, Timothy was willing to work away from the limelight. In other words, it wasn't about him. It was always about Christ. He wasn't looking for glory. He wasn't looking for his name to be elevated. He wasn't looking for people to like him or to celebrate him. He wasn't looking for the, like the next big position. He wasn't trying to figure out how he could climb the ladders of life uh, to accomplish and to, uh, to be successful. What he was really focused on is like, I want to serve Christ and I don't care who gets the credit. And I believe today, we've heard it many times, but I believe today that the Church of Jesus Christ and Thomas Road Baptist Church along with that, that if we, all of us, would have that same kind of heart, that we don't care who gets the credit. We just want to change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe we would see revival break out. But what ends up happening so often is churches end up getting in competition with one another. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Man, if someone happens to walk into this room one day and happens to hear the gospel preached and, and they come and they get saved and they walk down to this altar and they, they are introduced to Christ and they make that decision to follow Christ and then the very next Sunday they go and they join another church down the road right here in Lynchburg. Let me tell you what that is. That is a victory is what that is because we're all in this together. We are here to serve Him, not to serve our own needs and our own desires. Acts chapter 17 verse 14 it says, then the brothers and the sisters immediately sent Paul away to go to the coast to continue ministry, to continue that journey. But Silas and Timothy stayed on there. In other words, they stayed there and didn't follow after the accolades, follow after the spotlight, follow after the one that everybody was talking about in the Apostle Paul. 
Acts chapter 19, verses 21 to 22 says the same thing. After these events, Paul resolved by the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem. After I've been there, he said, it is necessary for me to see Rome as well. And after sending to Macedonia two of those who assisted him, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. In other words, once again, Timothy was willing to walk away from the spotlight, walk away from the people that everyone's talking about, and just to simply go and to serve. You see, Timothy wasn't in this work for his own glory. He wasn't in this work for his own glory. He, that's awful. I'm going to... Can y'all read that? Because I can't. I'm going to actually write it neatly so that it looks good. And I'm doing that for my own glory. I'm just telling you right now. No. So Timothy wasn't in the work for his own glory. He wasn't in it for what he could get out of it. He was just simply in the work of the gospel for the sake of the gospel. And man, we need people like that on the the churches today in America. We need people like that in the churches today around the world that are in it for the gospel, not in it for their glory. There are way too many stories of people that are in it for themselves. Way too many stories of people who want to be elevated and be talked about because of what they've accomplished. Man, don't let that be the narrative about your life. Do what you do for Christ simply for the sake of the body and the kingdom of Christ, not for what you get out of it. And we see that because Timothy was focused on that, because of his faithfulness, Timothy was trusted to carry on. He was trusted to carry on. In other words, he became and got lots more responsibility, a lot more opportunities. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul says, This is why I have sent Timothy to you. He is my dearly loved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you about my ways in Christ Jesus just as I teach everywhere in every church. So now... Like, rather than Paul going and continuing to preach the gospel and continuing to be the one that has to show up and do what it is, now Timothy has earned the right, the, the ability to go and is trusted to go and to carry on the work. And that is exactly God's plan for each and every one of us. So often people leave it up to the Billy Grahams of the world to change the world. That's not God's plan. God's plan is to change the world. Hey, news flash through you and me. And it comes through faithfulness. It comes through trusting and walking with God. It comes through recognizing that we have a duty and a responsibility to do exactly what it is that God has gifted us, equipped us to do. And so we understand that through the life of Timothy, that he was a young man, but he was a young man who was diligent, he was faithful, and because he was diligent in his work, he was now asked to fulfill not Paul's calling, but his own calling. And he understood what that calling was to go and to preach the gospel. Paul said it in so many places so many times that his duty and his responsibility was to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, Timothy had that same opportunity, go and to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So, let's ask some questions. What about us? What about you? So here's some thoughts. Are you today willing to do whatever is necessary to be a disciple? Understanding it in the context that we talked about a few moments ago, someone who follows after, who adheres to, who transforms their actions and their thoughts and their words based on what they have read and what they have heard and what they have learned about the one they're following. In other words, if we're a disciple of Christ, we change our lives to emulate Him, to become like Him rather than to continue on in our own lives. Number two, 
of the spiritual disciplines a part of your routine? Are, there part, are they part of your daily journey? Are you spending time in God's Word today? Are you spending time in prayer today? Are you spending time today uh, in the opportunity of, of recognizing what it really means to, to, to serve Him and to obey Him? Are those spiritual disciplines part of your journey? Number three, are you allowing your own issues to stop you? Timothy had every excuse in the book. He came from a bad background. He came from a mixed marriage, a mixed relationship. He came and he was shunned and he was looked down upon because of that that relationship that that gave him birth. And so all of that, he could have said, listen, I'm not worthy. I can't do it. I, I let someone else do it. Every single one of us in this room at times have made excuses for why we're not doing what God has called. The question here simply remains, are you allowing your issues, we all have them, to stop you? Number four, is your ministry today setting you up for tomorrow? God has called all of us to do something. He's called all of us to accomplish something for Him. He's called all of us to share the gospel. He's called all of us to live for Him. He's called all of us to pursue holiness. He's called all of us to be an example and to be a witness. He's called all of us to be the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we do that, It sets us up today for what God wants to do in us tomorrow. When God knows that He can trust you in the things today, I can guarantee you He will trust you in the things for tomorrow. So the question is, are you allowing your daily journey, your daily ministry to set you up today for what God has for you tomorrow? All of us have the opportunity and all of us have the ability to be like Timothy. Whether young or whether old, whether from a good background or from a bad one, regardless of the baggage, regardless of the the stuff that we have in our past, all of us have the opportunity to do something big for God. And the only thing that will stop you from doing something big for God is not God, it's you. So what's your story? Let's pray together. Father, thank you today for the way that we can learn in practical ways from people that you have shared with us in your word. God, for the life of Timothy, man, what, a, what an amazing impact that he had. What a, what a great story, God, of how you used him as a young man to, to continue to be faithful. And because of that faithfulness, God, you used him to do great things in the days to come. And even Paul, in his last days, he sought to have Timothy come to visit him in Rome because of the, the ministry that had taken place, that he was someone that, that Paul saw value in. God, let us all be people, Lord, who accomplish much for you. God, I pray right now in this time of invitation, if there's someone here today that has never come to that moment where they have trusted you as Lord and Savior, Lord, let this be the moment. God, help them to recognize you and love them. doesn't matter what the past looks like. Romans chapter 10 tells us that if we believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died and that he rose again, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God, I pray if there's an anyone here today who maybe has thought that, God, that you don't care about them, that you don't love them because of of what their past looks like, God, I pray right now in this moment, God, bring them to the realization you love them no matter what, and that today by calling on you, believing in Jesus, that they will be saved. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, our team is gathering here at the front. The altar in a moment will be open. We're going to stand. We're going to sing together. And it's when we do. If you're here today, if you're watching, if you're listening today, 
and you have never come to that moment where you've trusted Christ, this is the time. Right now, this is it. This is the moment where you simply say, yes, I believe that Jesus died, and I believe that he rose again. I call on his name today, and God will save you. What an amazing gift. Maybe today you want to come down and talk with one of our team members and and have them share with you what that looks like and what you need to do in order to, to trust Christ. Maybe you want to come down and kneel here and just say, God, today I want to be like Timothy. I want to be used by you. God, give me what it takes, what I need to do exactly what it is that you've called me to do. Maybe you want to come to join our church, come for baptism, whatever, whatever it is that, that kind of you're thinking right now through your mind, whatever God is laying on your heart right now. As we stand right now and as we sing these words as Charles leads us, I encourage you to step out right here. to run after you. God, that we have the opportunity to be disciples. Lord, to live our lives for you. God, we're not worthy of it. We thank you that you give us the opportunity. I pray that today as we walk out from this place, God, Lord, I pray, give us a heart that is in line with yours. God, give us a desire, Lord, to put the the spiritual disciplines and action in our journey today. Lord, help us to be all that you've called us to be so that together we can change the world. God, for that, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The altar remains open. God bless you, and have a great day. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Send an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, we're here to help you. Just reach out to us and we'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. If you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love.